Hi, Castle. <laughs> How's it going? It's Corona time. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a song. Sorry. It's trending on TikTok. We'll get to that <laughs> in a second. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm doing well, all things considering. Um, doing better? Should, yes, doing better. Uh, we should tell everyone that we are practicing social distancing as we always do when we record our podcasts. Yes, because um, we are more than six feet apart. <laughs> <laughs> more like 600 plus 2,000 miles away. I don't know how the distance is from, from here to Georgia. I don't know. <laughs> but we well, are being enough. safe. We're being safe about it. That's yes. what's important. We're always safe about everything in life. No, that's not true. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, um, so <laughs> with everything going on, I think everyone is talking about coronavirus, COVID-19. It's the talk of everything because, well, we're all kind of cooped up in our homes, hopefully, um, practicing that safety and the social distancing and not being around people and, you know, trying to, you know, curb the spread of that virus because, you know, things are getting pretty crazy, especially in places like New York and whatnot. Um, it hits a little close to home for you, Castle. Um, what was it, a week and a, a week ago or a few days ago, actually? I think we were talking. Yeah. And you believe that you actually might have had a coronavirus, right? I do believe that it's possible. I never was able to get tested um, but I did present some of the major or the more, more frequent symptoms that people discuss. Um, so it's possible that I had it, So, I, but I don't think I'll ever know. But it does seem like this is quite a tangent, but it seems like they're developing tests now where they can determine whether people have had it before. Can Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Apparently it's going to be used as a metric to determine like how many people actually like went through the virus and recovered um, but do you still because like so um well first of all can you tell us a little bit about like what yeah. you felt and why you felt like you might have had coronavirus sure 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 yeah i didn't know if we, this was like an introduction or if i should like go right into it no um, you're gonna go right into it <laughs> i'm going right into it uh so i would say so it was 14 days ago to to this day um that i started experiencing symptoms um, and when I say started experiencing symptoms, it was basically the first thing that happened was I just felt very tired and it, and they say that that's like the first symptom a lot. But to me, when I, when someone says you feel really tired, it just seems like, Oh, like throughout the day, you just kind of get like really tired. But mm -hmm. the way that I would describe it is it was like really like extreme, like I had to sit down. That's like how, and it just like hit me all of a sudden I was cleaning I was cleaning my kitchen and all of a sudden it just kind of hit me and I was like, whoa, like something definitely just happened. And I like literally just dropped like the spray and the sponge I was using and just Wait, went like all dramatically and stuff. No, I mean, I know. I mean, I like sat it down on the counter and just like went and sat down on the couch because I was oh, like, okay. I thought it was I like need... slow-mo, like you were no, just like sitting no, there no, all of a sudden, no. like you dropped the bottle and like the bottle like falls on the ground and like, no, you know, smashed okay. open and went everywhere. <laughs> No, I just, it just felt like monumental enough that I needed to stop what I was doing and go yeah. sit down. And so I didn't like, that's like all I felt for a while. And then I kind of like felt, it felt like, I kind of, I kind of felt a little feverish too, but I also don't own a thermometer, which is really terrible for me. Um, so I never really knew whether I had a fever or not. But if you know how you feel, like I mean, you, you, you can feel it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like most I don't think most people have a like a thermometer where they can check their temperature. I mean, I had one when I was a kid, like a rectal thermometer, but like oh, we would wow. put it in our mouth and stuff. But like that was when we were kids. <laughs> okay. But like, you, you know, when you feel yeah, when you're feeling that way, like you're getting kind of sweaty, your your head feels like it's burning up, like your body can. Right. You can tell. Yeah. Right. It's and, I, and I yeah. and I usually get chills and like body aches, like especially my legs hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. um, when I have a fever. Um, and so I felt those things. And so like through that night, I was like, Oh Lord, so I'm definitely have something. Um, but I would say that this was kind of at the beginning of everything. It wasn't like, uh, we were maybe like one week into, uh, social dis social distancing when this happened, um, which kind of aligns well with, I think 
me being out more, like I went and got groceries like three times and had to move all my stuff from the university to my house. Mm -hmm. So I was like exposing myself a little bit more in the beginning uh, because we were like kind of transitioning to this social distancing thing. And so I would say like seven days past kind of settling into my house for social distancing is when I started feeling some of the symptoms. Um, so when it moved into Monday, um, I didn't really feel fatigued anymore, which was good. Um, I did still have a fever and I started to develop, I wouldn't, it was like, you know how, when you feel like your chest is congested, like when you have a sinus infection or something yeah, and it just kind of feels like a little heavy. Like it feels kind of like there's stuff in there. And so you want to cough it up and get rid of it. Yeah. But the weird thing with this and why I describe it to some people is like it didn't feel like I was sick was I didn't cough at all. And it was just like super bizarre to me because when you when you have that like pressure in your chest, it just makes you like you usually your body like forces you to cough. To like get rid of the mucus mm-hmm. and stuff in your lungs mm-hmm. yeah. but it just didn't feel that way it just felt like it was like hard to breathe and uh kind of like i wouldn't say an elephant was sitting on my chest but like uh, a larger middle like a, a dog or something i don't know some smaller ish type of animal that's not as <laughs> yeah. severe yeah. Um, but it was just like the way I describe it is that it was taking, it was re- requiring me to exert more effort in order to breathe. And yeah. so I just kind of like hung around my couch and stuff for a few days. I called the telehealth people and was like, explain my symptoms. And they're like, yeah, it, it sounds like you probably have coronavirus. However, at this time we're reserving the testing for like the more severe cases, so we probably recommend that you just stay home because the way that you've described things, it sounds like you have kind of a mild case. And they said, but you should also call the public health department in your county and ask them what they recommend. Um, so I did that and kind of got stuck on this loop of like talking to different people and trying mm-hmm. to explain my situation. And they're like, oh, well, we can send you to someone. To, and like, finally, I talked to someone and they're like, well, it sounds like your symptoms are mild enough that you don't need to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, And as I was explaining to you on the phone, like it's great to have someone tell you that your symptoms are mild enough that you don't have to do anything. But at the same time, like I'm sitting here on the couch, like having difficulty breathing and having to like really focus on that. And uh, it was just kind of, I wouldn't say it was just kind of a hard thing to rationalize and deal with because you're hearing about all these news stories about like how all these young people are in like the best health of their life. And now they're in the hospital and Mm -hmm. you are just kind of sitting alone here alone. And I was sitting alone in my apartment just being like, how do I know this is like a mild case and I shouldn't be doing more about it? Or like I shouldn't be taking more action versus just staying at home. Like, should I go get tested somewhere? That's like a yeah. private clinic. Yeah. Um, so it just, it, it felt, it, it was, it's hard to describe, but it just felt like something I'd never experienced before. And that it was also just a struggle to know what to act, what I should be doing besides staying at home. Because when you feel the way you feel, it's like, well, there's probably more I should be doing, but everyone's just saying stay at home and get better. Well, um, I think like in your situation too, like in an, on top of feeling all those different symptoms and and whatnot, like the other aspect of it is kind of like a mental aspect of it. Of you hear all these things on the news about yeah. coronavirus. That's when the you know the rates of um, the numbers of people having it in the United States started to climb. That was when, you know, the number of people dying from it was starting to get higher. And so for you, it was like, okay, it's mild now, according to what I'm describing to my medical professionals, but right. you know, could it get worse? Could I end up feeling worse? Who do I talk to? What do I do? Um, it's different than just having a cold that, you know, because like when you get sick, it's the expectation that if you're relatively healthy and in and, and good and in good shape with no underlying health conditions, you know that you'll get through it. But this is like a weird territory of 
oh my gosh, I keep hearing these stories. Will I actually get through this? Like, am I going to make it? And for you, hopefully, you know, luckily it was a very mild case, but um, it still doesn't change the fact that there was so much you're thinking about in that moment when you have it, because it could escalate in a matter of hours or days or something. And what would you be able to do, you know? Yeah. And I think that was a lot of it too, because I, as we've kind of talked about on the podcast before, like I have anxiety and, uh, there were some, there were moments when I was having these symptoms, I was like, is just, is this just my anxiety, like being concerned about what's going on and not being able to, to like come to a conclusion about like what's happening. And like, is this pressure in my chest really just like anxiety? Because I've experienced symptoms like that before with anxiety, well, allergies. But not, <laughs> yeah, but not to that degree. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it wasn't as severe as what I was feeling those times. And so um, I was like, it has to be something else. Um, but luckily each day, so like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it progressively got better and easier to breathe. Um, and then Thursday, um, of that week, I was kind of like at 95% breathing again. And then by Friday, all my symptoms were gone. So um, walk me through this again from like yeah. day one through day six or seven. What was the yeah. worst day for you? Um, probably day like one. Okay. So one was Sunday. It Tuesday was the worst day. So day three. Okay. Um, it was kind of like a, 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 I guess maybe like the, like the peak, um, of everything. So it was kind of like this buildup of fever and, uh, kind of trouble breathing. And then Tuesday, uh, night in particular, like I was drinking like hot tea and like all this stuff, but it just felt like it was hard to breathe but that was also the night that I was freaking out a bit because um, I had a few conversations with friends and people and they were like it really sounds like you have the virus maybe you should be doing more than you're doing and I was like well the professor like the doctors and health professionals said to stay home and it was just like talking to them kind of like got my anxiety up a lot Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that had something to do with it too but it was just like hard to hard harder to breathe than it had been the entire time yeah Um, no for sure yeah it's i mean i'm so glad that you're okay right now um and it's i think it just provides perspective i you know i what you went through isn't necessarily what everyone would go through obviously everyone's different yeah so just so when people hear this you know it's just what you went through so don't think that this is in any way trying to explain what coronavirus is like for somebody um each person will, will, will experience different things. You could have it already and be asymptomatic, who knows, or it could hit somebody worse. But um, it's very interesting to hear that from uh, somebody. You're probably, I think you're the first person I know that has conf- not confirmed that they have it, but like most, more than likely had it. Um, we can get to all that crazy stuff about testing and whatnot. But I think if we had more testing, obviously, it'd be a lot e- better, not easier, better for us to know that so that we could definitely quarantine those people who have it. Um, because asymptomatic people can still have it, which is like crazy to me again, that the governor of Georgia hadn't like literally said that during a news conference, like a few days ago and said, well, we have to put a stay at home order because I didn't realize up until like 24 hours ago that like asymptomatic people can also transmit the virus. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, wait, you didn't know that? Like, I think everybody knew that like weeks ago, like you, what do you mean? You didn't know that. And um, it's so frustrating because back at home uh, on the coast in Georgia, um, all the communities like Savannah, Tybee Island, all these cities and communities have put in really strict stay at home orders already. And they went ahead and did that before the state pulled the trigger. The state didn't pull the trigger until like a week and a half later. Right. And then when the state did enact that stay at home order, it's frustrating because um, the state uh, regulation executive order supersedes any local order and invalidates all local um you know rules and laws put into place so they actually ended up reopening beaches uh friday afternoon or friday evening (sighs) man i have some and it wasn't like based based on what i read it wasn't like something that he specifically in the executive order was like oh yeah and beaches should be reopened it was just kind of like the language that was used in the executive order, as you kind of described, superseded some of the other things they had put into place. And so it just kind of like canceled those out. 
So instead of, yeah. So instead of him saying explicitly like, Oh, I think beaches should be open. It was just like, uh, part of the language I think was, uh, kind of triggered that change. But what the frustrating thing is, is a, when you have this kind of situation where communities are already put into place rules and and orders and stuff, Mm -hmm. you don't need to have a state order that literally in the language says, you know, the state order is a state order. Now no one has to, like no communities, laws or existing laws can be followed. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe I don't know enough about government, but like it just seems silly to me that, um, you know, people that know their community the best are the ones that should be dictating the rules and the laws and regulations. And the the state's role is to, if, the, if for some reason a leader isn't putting those you know, orders in place and the state can, can step in and do that. But if cities are already doing it, like Atlanta, like Savannah, like there's no reason to supersede that. And then also the mayor of Tybee Island, the biggest uh, island or more, most populous island on the Georgia coast, um, she wrote like a letter to the, uh, the governor and was like, hey, this is like reckless. This is endangering our people. We have a lot of elderly people on the island. Um, and I think a police officer got covid uh on the island as well and then the state uh the state's response was uh thank you for your concern we're going to continue to do it this way let us know if you have any questions like a generic answer for like a local mayor like are you joking and then in the state uh executive order only like state law enforcement are allowed to um enforce the rule like local municipalities are not allowed to enforce it so what do you mean like the wow. state patrols can go on the beach and like walk around and tell people to disband if they're crowded together like that means that local police can't even do that because it's a state law like that to me is so ridiculous but anyway we can get into all that but I don't want to get too political <laughs> here it's it shouldn't be that way but anyway well I'm glad you're feeling better um yes yes I will say that I quarantined myself for 14 days and uh, once it was seven days past when I last experienced symptoms, um, so technically last this past Friday I was free to go, but I waited an extra day just in case. And uh, but yeah, good to go now. Hopefully, uh, who knows whether people can get it multiple times? I think yeah. The did did, did we solve that, that problem? I don't I think mean, so. Did we solve that, the, that question? Like I, I think the jury's still out. Um, okay. Yeah, from what I read, there was a, an article about um, like still like pressing questions, um, and I think that was one of the things the scientists were saying is that right now they're not sure, but again, because there's so much research being done like on the spot, mm. that they would know within a year at the at the least. I think. Dang. Hi, so. hi. Well, <laughs> this is just such a. <laughs> Okay, there are words that people use to describe this whole thing, like unprecedented, uncharted territory. Like, it's so annoying to hear those terms. I mean, it's true, but like, ugh, whatever. (laughs) I think... Oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, no. I I was just going to say another thing that I've noticed, and this is more just like a personal communication thing, so tell me whether you're you're seeing it too, but in emails, like... I, f- I see a lot more people like starting off with like, I hope you and your family are well, or I hope you're staying well, oh, or yeah. um, signing off the email with like, stay well, or I hope you continue to stay well. Um, yeah. It's just uh, interesting to see like these new practices being adopted um, as we enter this unprecedented time. <laughs> I mean, now the CDC is recommending that everybody who's going out in public places to wear masks, um, cloth masks that you make. It's funny because a month and a half ago, I, I was one of those people who was kind of like making fun of people for wearing masks outside. I was like, that's not going to help you because this virus is teeny tiny. The new regulations clarify that if you are making your own mask with like a handkerchief or or a bandana or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, it's more to prevent you who may be asymptomatic from spreading it to other people. It's not really protecting you from the virus itself. So I guess I still stand by when I made fun of people before. Um, But there is some valid reason for wearing a homemade mask now that maybe people didn't quite get at the beginning. And obviously I didn't get that either, but um, it's weird. It's like a, a 2020 thing. Like 
it's a fashion trend. I mean, it's it's been a trend in Asia for a long time. I think that was also kind of the xenophobic um, remarks that people would make about Asians and how they would wear masks all the time, mm-hmm. mainly because of air pollution over in certain parts of Asia. But um, it's become a huge fashion style choice for people in Asia. And now, like, we're also doing it over here. So these weird societal norms are are really changing. And I wonder if that's going to be a thing for, for and for how long, you know? People yeah, be like, oh, why are you wearing a mask, you know, on an airplane or whatever? And um, I went to the grocery store yesterday. I've been trying to limit it to once a week now. Um, but we, I wore my little, like, uh, bandana mask thing. And it's weird walking around the store and, and like, you have to... I don't know. I get antsy because I'm like, are you robbing this store or are you just shopping yeah, yeah, for yeah, things? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's kind of creepy because some people have some very, uh, very scary looking mask things. And I'm like, mm, sir, ma'am, are you like trying to rob this store? Are you trying to get some supplies? What you doing? <laughs> it's very confusing. But yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But I think another interesting thing that will come from this is this whole 360 uh, change of a view and how we communicate that to people, right? So I think it'll be an interesting case study on risk communication about how you tell something, someone tell a group of people to do one thing and then like a month or so later, tell them to do the complete opposite thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think that'll be really interesting to see once we make it through this. <laughs> I think it's very interesting when study. we like think about what's going on now and in my like research brain is like oh my gosh all the cool things we're learning from this right now is insane and not yeah. just from an academic standpoint from but from everything from like public policy to health policy to like just oh, so yeah. many things like even with, with what I'm doing with like work and FEMA now mm-hmm. I'm like there's so much that I'm already learning that I think we could implement in the future and make things even better so if we ever deal with this or any kind of disaster, we have a better handle of the situation. Because, again, this is new. This isn't a hurricane or a tornado or a flooding or earthquake. This is quite quite different from what we normally deal with. So um, it's very interesting. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Yeah, I was actually talking to a colleague this week on the phone and she mentioned that she was kind of viewing uh, this whole thing very interesting too, but the the thought that she had was that this is kind of a sped up version of climate change and what that would look like. Um, interesting. Like if you were to speed things up, like having to have the government intervene and force people to like social distance and um, seeing how the like government interaction and intervention is, is happens like on a larger scale, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we, we were just having a, it was a really interesting conversation about how she was viewing this as kind of like this model of climate change and uh, what it would look like if states had to or like local like local communities had to step up and make policies that prevent climate change. And then it gets like superseded by state level. And um, yeah. uh, so it was just uh, that's again, a very, very interesting, interesting perspective. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially from like a policy standpoint, because when you think about climate change, it's like this long term thing that is hard for people to wrap their heads around. And so we don't imagine a time and place where like a community would have to be like, Oh, well we're switching all cars to electric or, you know, like some like yeah. big, big level thing that uh, we can't really imagine at this point. But this is giving us kind of this front row seat to That's how so each of these different entities are making decisions, how they're overlapping one another, how they're kind of combating one another and, uh, uh, it's it's very interesting, I think, and something that we could use hopefully in the future to be like, yo, this is what climate change is, is gonna look like in the in like in the long term. If you were to like shrink it down mm-hmm. into like a few weeks, this is like what it would look like. So how can we do this better or make this better so that when we get to those conversations, it's important. Yeah, because I mean, I think what you're saying is is very interesting because with the stay-at-home orders like people are being told they can't go out and do stuff businesses are closing things are closed you know these are major inconveniences and not to say that you know our safety isn't a priority it 100 is um but these inconveniences make you think about like what we're doing for the greater good so people could see climate change in that same way of this is what we have to sacrifice for the greater good 
whether that's you know electric vehicles or whatever steps that a, a normal person can take um, maybe they can see it and understand it better if we analogize what we're dealing with with the pandemic now and right. saying okay remember remember when we were doing xyz for covid19 well these are some things that we might really can consider doing for climate change and this is why and then maybe we can there's more empathy and understanding because people all went through uh staying at home, social distancing, not being able to pay, take part or partake in other things that they've wanted to do um, for the sake of everyone else in the whole world, frankly. So right. that's very interesting. Huh. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of climate change, I was talking to my friend Allison also, and she does climate change modeling, but also like air pollution modeling. And she was talking about how she was discussing with her advisor how this time frame would be a really good case study for what it would be like if we were to cut back and make certain immediate interventions, like if everyone worked from home and stopped yeah. traveling and using cars and stuff, like over this three month to six month period, it could be used as like this, what if scenario like what mm -hmm. if we made these large-scale changes where everyone's staying home how is this going to affect air pollution how is this going to affect like climate change in general because um, we've seen like some stuff out of uh venice is that correct where like mm -hmm. the water has so become clear like clean so now. clear because yeah because there's no like uh boats being used there's mm -hmm. no transportation and that kind of stuff so i think that all of this uh some good that can come out of this is like, this is what would happen to our planet if we start making some of these drastic changes. Um, and not only that, I think the pandemic itself shows that we can, it, we can in fact make some of these dramatic changes uh, successfully. It may take some time to get used to them, but they are possible. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, the lack of activity overall on this whole planet, um, the air pollution has gone down. I know in Denver and Colorado itself, along the front range, we have a lot of issues with air quality and air pollution. Um, no problem with that now. Um, and then in LA, there's been like satellite imagery showing smog and how that's really disappeared in New York City and China, all across the world. Um, and even like just like the, the vibrations of the earth, it's minimalized because we don't have as many right. vehicles on the road. We don't have as many um, things on the, you know, just movement around in general. So it's very intriguing to see what it would be like. This is, again, the closest in modern day history of probably what would it would be like if humans weren't on the planet. Right. Um, which reminds me of a Nat Geo TV show that I used to watch. It was like if humans were gone or something and it like counts down like the the days hours of years like the you know tens of thousands of years what happens when humans are gone and things start to kind of take over again and you see these stories of like the squirrels have taken over a park in california or like um <laughs> little things here and there it's very intriguing to see um you know you think about like little things like hey you know a park parks and rec person has to go and spray down the field for ants or bugs and then they're not there anymore so then the you know are we gonna have a bunch of ants and bugs and stuff everywhere we're we gonna have a bunch of mosquitoes that people can't spray for mosquitoes like it just there's so many implications to what we're doing now um for for social distancing and whatnot but um it's so intriguing so yeah i hope this is a great opportunity if people are able to think about research in a crazy time like this then uh that would certainly be really cool uh for people to study and like we talked a little bit about climate but weather is also being impacted by the pandemic as well and i think there's a lot of opportunity for studying that but i know one article that's been floating around through various channels is the fact that uh, commercial aircraft normally detect and record um, atmospheric conditions as they fly from destination to destination and that information is fed into weather models so with less commercial air traffic you're not really getting as much you know fine uh, resolution of mm -hmm. of actual data and that could affect weather forecasting as well which I think is pretty intriguing. Yeah, it is. We, we don't think, always um, think about the yeah. the use of planes beyond travel, but they do a lot of other things um, yeah. in terms of like communications too. And um, so, yeah, they have a lot of other functions that maybe we don't always consider when we're like, we're going to California, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, what are you also <laughs> accomplishing on that trip to California that maybe you're not kind of completely aware of? So I think yeah. that's interesting too. Wait, so Castle, what have you been doing besides your normal PhD student work uh, during this time of social distancing? How are you kind of staying sane in all of this? Uh, <laughs> Um, this sounds really bad, but someone asked me a kind of a similar question this week. And I told them that the, uh, the certainty of like, what's going to happen tomorrow has been really nice for me. Um, cause I, I'm a person that really hates uncertainty. Um, so knowing that I'm going to get up tomorrow and do my cleaning routine that I do in the morning of like all the doorknobs and all that kind of stuff with the Lysol wipes. And then I'm going to go right in the after, like in the early, late morning to early afternoon, have lunch, then write some more and then just like get off work and watch TV or play video games or uh, play board games or listen to my audiobook. Um, that itself is really nice. Uh, I like kind of puzzle. Been, I kind of enjoy that. Why? 7 a.m. the usual morning lineup. Oh. Starting the chores and sweep to the floor. It's all clean. And then like read a book, uh, maybe two or three, write your dissertation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I like that. But also I was telling someone like the flip side is like, it can get monotonous really quick. Um, mm -hmm. And one way in particular is like the meals that I'm making. So we have to cook for like every meal or at least like I guess you don't have to because you're supposed to support like local businesses and getting takeout and stuff but me in particular I've been trying to maximize cooking instead of eating out mm -hmm. and so I meal prep and so I eat the same thing for like four nights um, and it just is starting to get old and it it's it's hard to like look forward to something and that sounds really bad like I look forward to food or something sure. um, but it's like oh like I've been writing all day and I'm gonna get to watch a TV show and it's like oh it's a teriyaki chicken bowl again for dinner um, <laughs> oh no not teriyaki oh, no. chicken it sounds and so that, good though It it's super good but it's just the fact that it's like I've had it the three days before also um, so it's just like hard to get excited <laughs> for that. And I feel like that also makes me sound like really high and mighty and not thankful for having food. High um, maintenance. Yeah. But it's just like something that I've noticed. Um, but I guess other than that, I kind of listed stuff that I've been doing, but I've been playing angry birds. Oh, really? That's one thing I've been doing. Um, I use it as my brain break. So like okay. every two hours or so I take a 15 minute brain break between writing my dissertation and that's usually flinging birds into uh, buildings and having them knock stuff down. Um, Classic. If you've never played Angry Birds, that's basically the the, the sum of what that game is. Um, <laughs> but also listening to audiobooks, I like to do that with my chores. Um, I've been watching a lot of Real Housewives repeats. I uh, started like seasons over again so that I could rewatch them. Um, because Real Housewives is like my stress reliever. So that's what, that's like what I do to relieve stress. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, not very much. Like I should probably get out and go walk more than I have been. Um, unfortunately my neighborhood slash area doesn't have a lot of good sidewalk situations. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had, I don't feel like super comfortable doing that, but I try and people are going to laugh at me. I try and go out on my balcony like every second or third day and just like chill out there for like 30 minutes to an hour and listen to my audiobook. Um, but that's about it. That's how I'm staying sane. There you go. How Bad. about you? Um, so, I mean, I, I pretty much wake up at like 7 and then I start working right away and I work normally till 4 or 5, sometimes a little later. Um, but I've gone for walks pretty much around my neighborhood. Luckily, I live in a really um, pedestrian-friendly part of town in Denver, so I can get out and walk. There's three big parks around me. Um, take advantage of those parks when the days are not great in terms of weather-wise, because when the days are nice, like right now, I'm going to go for a walk after we record this, but um, when it's like 70 degrees and it's nice, the parks are a little too crowded, and I don't feel comfortable with that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so I walk around the neighborhood, there's plenty of places to walk. I've walked downtown before. Um, I mean the day that I walked the most, I think I walked like 10 or 11 miles in one day or something. Wow. Um, 
That's just to nice. get the exercise in. And I, I don't, you know, I, I need it because I'm literally sitting on my bum all day, oh, like sitting on my, working on my computer. I hate it. Um, so that's like keeping me sane. It's interesting too, because I've talked to people and everyone has their varying degrees of how comfortable they feel going out. So my two things that I still do, go out and get some fresh air and walk around. Um, also get takeout food whenever I feel like it, which is probably once or twice a week. Um, and then go to the grocery store. I guess that's three things. Um, and I try to be safe and I social distance myself, but I know a lot of people were like, oh my God, like that's dangerous. Don't do that. Um, I don't know. It's sure I'm putting myself and maybe some others at risk every time I do step out. But I think there's a balance that I have to strike between myself and, and like other people. And I'm trying to be very cognizant. I haven't gone hiking recently um, because I know the trails are getting crowded and the mountain communities and whatever, they're more susceptible and you don't want people that are traveling to those mountain communities to spread COVID. But, um, you know, for me, I walk and if I see somebody coming up in the sidewalk towards me, I cross the street and I go to the other side. So that's like my, you know, little things I can do to, to be extra safe when I'm out and about. But like, I can't, I cannot sit and stay in my house. Like I mentally cannot do that. And I know other people probably fall in my same boat. It's a hard time for people who are struggling with mental um, anxieties and, and things like that because being like cooped up in your home and thinking about your thoughts is probably not the best thing that you could probably be doing for yourself. So you want to go out, exercise, do what you need to do, um, but be safe and smart about it, you know? Um, how, are you balance, how are you balancing work and home? being in the same location like are you doing anything in, in particular or um like for example i have a separate room that's an office so i always shut the door or leave the door closed when i'm in the office but also when i'm out of it so that it's yeah. kind of like my separate location so are you doing anything like that um actually no not really uh when i first started working from home about three weeks ago i didn't have a desk because i just moved into my place and have getting new furniture and everything so i sat on my futon with my laptop on my lap and i was doing work and that was not cutting it so i bought a desk online had it shipped set it up in my living room for now um everything is still kind of everywhere because i had just moved in boxes are still around picture frames are still like leaning on the walls like so there isn't as much of a balance and i will say like i'm pretty i'm pretty busy like most of the time all day long and i don't really do anything like, I, I don't go out and walk around for my lunch break or anything like that like it's pretty much work 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 from seven to four or five um the only things i will do is if i get a, a minute to just like cook up a quick breakfast or lunch um and that kind of helps break up the monotony of it i guess but um when you're always go, 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 time kind of goes by pretty quickly when you're going, doing all that kind of stuff. So, um, but once I do get more settled, I am going to move my desk into a different room and have that as like my study area versus like having it here now where it's like just everywhere and it's a little bit more difficult to get that good balance, you know, because mm -hmm. I already hated working from home before. I liked it because it was convenient. I just like hop out of bed and literally start working. I don't have to put on clothes. I don't have to do anything. But then it's, and this is now, it's like three weeks in. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. But still, like I, I miss physically talking to my coworkers and getting stuff done, walking down the hall to talk to people, you know? Um, that stuff is, is can be challenging because you have to email or Skype or call everybody and it's a little bit more difficult to get things done. But I, I'd say I'm, I'm actually been very productive in the last three weeks being at home, maybe even more so than in the office because I don't have those distractions of talking to people and whatnot. But um, sometimes you need that kind of stuff, you know? No, I agree. I kind of feel very similar about that because I feel like I've written a lot more than I would have if I were in my office setting. Um, but at the same time, like at what cost? Um, so I think it's nice to be able to have those moments of like stepping away and being distraction free at home, but we're human. So we need like interaction. Uh, so I think that's important too. So I was, I felt like I was doing really well. Um, I just had my routine. Like, I feel like once I socially distance myself from people, like it's not that big of a deal as long as I have like phone calls and text messages like to me those are all forms of communication that satisfy my interaction yeah. as a human um, and that is kind of scary 
uh, thing to say, but like, or like a weird thing to say, but that like, it doesn't bother me as much to need like human interaction with people like face to face. But um, this past week we had a zoom call for my friend Margaret's defense uh, thesis defense and on it I got to actually physically see like all the professors in our department and all like the graduate students that I know and like we got to say hey and like talk and stuff yeah and once once that was over like it hit me really hard because it was like holy crap I miss these people and like I haven't gotten to see them in like a week and a half like physically see like their face mm-hmm. and it it just made me realize in that moment that i I actually do need that interaction, but maybe the other ones work kind of like as a proxy. Yeah. Um, And so it was just kind of like, I I kind of felt like down a lot the rest of the day, just because I felt drained just because I felt like those, those were things that were being withheld from me. I don't know. It's kind of weird, hard to describe, but it just felt like, oh, this is what I've been missing out on and I got mm-hmm. to experience it for an hour, but that's all now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like gone and gone away. I think like I definitely miss the human interaction and like talking to not just coworkers, but friends and things like that. I think it's, I'm a little bit more able to handle this now because I, I mean, moving to Denver, moving to wherever I've, I've moved to in the past, like again, most of my close friends don't live where I live. And so I'm used to kind of like, Skyping or talking or you know having a phone call with somebody that lives far away um, So if anything that aspect hasn't really changed too much for me, but um, just like not being able to go out and do stuff when I want to or um, Just like it's such a weird time to shut things out like I've, I've talked to you about it a little bit too, but like dating yeah. is weird because yeah. <laughs> you like you meet people and then you start talking and then like this pandemic gets in the way and it's like okay like what do we do now kind of thing i'm sure a lot of people might be in that same situation um or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever that you can't see anymore uh because they live with their families or something and it's, you can't go over there and they can't go over to you um so there's like weird uh, levels of so- social interaction that are kind of just cut off now and it, it's very weird but um, it'd be very interesting when this is all over to see how people are like I just imagine every restaurant will be full every like concert will be attended like you know everyone's gonna have a giant celebration just because they weren't able to have it before you know um, no I, I agree and I almost worry that it will be like even worse that's the what environment. everyone that's what everyone keeps saying yeah. um after this uh like people like everyone will be flying places and um i think it, it can it can go like one of two ways like it could be like the absolute worst situation for the environment or we can take this as like a first step in in making some of these cutbacks um so i think either people will be like a more cautious um or people will go all the way out or maybe it's kind of a little bit of both maybe in the beginning stages people will be like a little bit cautious about like flying and traveling and mm-hmm. going out and that kind of stuff but then at, at a certain point it may just be like well it's safe now let's go and like everyone goes so yeah. it may be important in those early weeks to like establish some protocols about like well i don't i don't know what it would look like but you could only travel like once every two weeks or something like that i don't know something not kind of not re- like a black like not like a hey welcome like the world is back open now do whatever yeah you want. it's gonna be yeah. more like a hey like we still recommend that you still do takeout for now and then like right slowly they'll open kind up of easing rooms. it back yeah yeah they'll ease, yeah i think that's that might be a way to do it but um because i know that in japan for example they were one of the first countries to really see covid and then um their numbers kind of steadied and plateaued a little bit but they didn't really i think they've started opening up businesses again and the country never shut down and so i think they're worried that their numbers are going to skyrocket uh and that hasn't Uh, happened yet because of their um you know prematureness and like like kind of having things back open and back to normal yeah yeah so Hmm. it's gonna be very interesting to see i mean we're i I know we we keep saying like oh when this is all over no one really knows when that's going to be i think optimistically you can think okay well you know the president said april 30th for now but i would imagine no. that would be extended and i don't think people really think that they're like oh we're gonna all be able to see each other in may i'm like mm, but will you though because <laughs> uh yeah 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 you know so it's it's gonna be very interesting to see but just my 
tip to everyone is do what you can reach out to your friends and family communicate talk with them and do what you have to do to to feel as comfortable as you can in a very uncertain time nope i agree yeah i think and this is like one of those uh terrible sayings but like it's only going to get worse before it gets better um but i based on like some of the news articles and things that i think i think scientists are seeing that's like over the next two or three weeks is supposed to be like the worst time um for everything finally like spreading and like everything before we had all these shutdowns and stuff like that like you have to remember the lag time for like when people start showing symptoms can be up to two weeks so um with all these states just finally shutting down like last thursday friday like two weeks from now will be the window when people uh show those symptoms um so it's gonna be uh kind of brutal i think so be sure and continue to practice social distancing um be very thankful for those frontline workers like healthcare workers individuals working in grocery stores people that are bringing groceries and delivering food like the instacart workers um being sure to be very thankful and patient and tip them well before doing their job greatly. Um, I think all those things will be really important. And I think um, the one other thing I wanted to add that I'm a way of me keeping my sanity in addition to like, you know, the normal stuff cooking and, and whatnot um, is I downloaded TikTok and I, I don't know if I hate myself for it. Oh God. TikTok. I know I'm like one of those older millennials who was like, Oh, you know, discover this TikTok for Gen Z. And I'm like, this is actually pretty funny and humorous. Um, it's it's kind of uh I, I watch that a lot when I'm in bed about to go to sleep at night versus going on Netflix and watching a TV show. I kind of just scroll and scroll for yeah. like like 45 minutes or an hour and it, it's really funny. I made a couple of videos too. Um but it's it's very interesting. I think it's like a very creative platform sometimes. Like a lot of times it's like hey, you're hot and you put together like a dumb video and people will like it cuz you're hot. But a lot of times it's like, hey, this is actually really creative. I, I like this idea. So um, that's what I appreciate about it. Um, I don't know how long I'll be using TikTok for, but it's one of those things where I was searching for something new to do. And you know how I feel about social media a lot of times. I'm like, ugh. But I was like, mm, maybe I'll give this TikTok thing a try. And it's kind of fun just to see the funny, humorous things. Like one of my favorite things is probably... Um, Frozen 2 and how they have like the sound effect from the song where like you hear the the uh, yelling or the screaming uh, or the voice I guess you know like the ah, yeah and then people use that for yeah. various uh, funny <laughs> meme video things and it's it's really, really funny it's really cute so um, yeah I might make a couple of TikToks every now and then I've, I've, I've made one today actually that it's pretty cool I might post it later on Twitter or something but um I'm trying to still manage my social media time and not get sucked up into it. And I wonder, after all this is over, as we keep saying, um, will people be more yeah. inclined to get off of social media because they've been doing it for so long and they're willing to actually live in the moment and talk to people and have fun? Like, I wonder if that will change people or not. Because I think, for me, I, I'm trying to avoid social media even now. And I go on it a little bit more than I did before, but... Um, in the future, I'm going to be like, heck yeah, like I'm not going to go on social media. I'm going to actually visit my friends and hang out with them and see them and stuff, you know? Yeah, that would be a nice byproduct, I think. Yeah. Really cool. Um, and something for people to study. Mm. People should be writing stuff <laughs> down. It'd be a really good um, interpersonal communication research yeah, project. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, this is super random, but... Um, you've been in a grocery store more than I have. I haven't been in, in a grocery store in over a month. Um, and someone told me the other day that they have like these plexiglass like things hanging from the wall or from the ceiling that are to. between the cashier. Um, yeah, some yeah. some stores, I know some uh, grocery store chains have started putting those in. And I think they're not going to be all up in all of the grocery stores for another few weeks because it takes time to install them and bring them across the country. But yeah, that's like one way mm-hmm. of, of hopefully keeping these cashiers and other um, essential workers safe because you don't know what you're coming in contact with, you know? Oh, yeah, I know. And then they also said that there are like lines of tape on the floor that Correct. show like where you're yep. supposed to mm-hmm. stand. That, that's definitely a thing. I went to the store yesterday and 
um, those they are only allowing certain numbers of people in the store themselves. So there's a line outside um, where people are standing. I had to wait for about 10, 15 yeah. minutes um, as one person leaves, one person can come in. There's tape on the ground to show like a six feet distance from each other and stuff like that. So um, yeah, they're really, they're cracking down more. I think most grocery chains in stores that are continuing to be open are limiting the number of people that go to the stores. Yeah, or can at wow. least enter the store at once. Any any other, are there any other practices that you've seen besides I mean, those people in Colorado three, are wearing masks we now, about. not in addition to the CDC guidance. Like okay, the governor yeah. has also said, please wear a mask if you're going to be out in a store and stuff. I don't really wear a mask if I'm outside walking because I just assume there's it's fine enough that, you know, we're out in the space, open space. Um, that's the thing. Um most of the f- products are back in the stores. The only things that are still the toilet paper and, and the cleaning products, but everything else, food-wise, okay. even like uh, Campbell's like soup is meat. still there. The meats are there. Yeah, everything is there. I mean, they're okay, lower good. in supply. Like The last time I got groceries there. Oh, you can see, any. like, okay, there's not as much meat. There's not as much, like, stuff, but there's still enough. Sure, yeah. Um, it's not, like, completely barren unless you go down the TP aisle. But, um, yeah, I think the supply <laughs> chain is slowly catching up to what was happening before when people were panic buying okay great well that's awesome like again that was like crazy bonkers to me because i hadn't been to a store so that sounded very like dystopian um to me but i'm glad that they're doing those practices to like help the the uh, workers there but it's just hard for me to imagine like that as a thing in, in our world um Oh, and I just remembered I wanted to say like there are a lot of different ways to create your own masks that don't involve sewing. Um, so there are a lot of good tutorials on how to use a bandana and fold it a certain way and use two rubber bands or hair ties and make a no sew mask. Um, and then I also saw a really cool tutorial this morning about how to flip your hoodie backwards and use and use the hood as a mask too. Um, so there are a lot of good options uh, out there in order to do your part um, and help everyone stay There's safe. some other bad options, too. Somebody put, like, pantyhose around oh, their face. Oh, wow. And then somebody put, like, a five-gallon, like, plastic jug, but, like, cut it and just put it around their face. And so they just, like, put it on their head. And I'm like, this just doesn't seem like a good idea. Someone put, like, they put, like, a trash bag over their head. And I was oh like, that's going to suffocate you. Yeah. So yeah, look up some good tutorials yeah. on how to do it. Um and uh <laughs> you'll you'll do you you'll do a good job i i have a good feeling about our you'll listeners. do you do yourself because no one's gonna oh do you right now you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> just kidding but not anyway so you can find us in a variety of places including facebook.com slash weatherhype or weatherhypepodcast.com you can also find us on twitter at weatherhype both words weather and hype or send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. We love to hear what you think about us, so please feel free to leave a review. Um, we can do that, or you can do that, on iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much any big podcast app that you use to listen to Weather Hype. Um, until next time. Until next time. <laughs> Stay, Stay hyped. hyped. <laughs>